when we read the Bible, we are often there as a sort of a third person, an onlooker to the action. We see other individuals having their encounter with God. Now, passages that we've actually been looking at through Holiday Club this week um, are a bit like that. We stand as a bit of an onlooker uh, in the story of Zacchaeus and the rich young man in Mary and Martha, in Joshua, Jericho, uh, Saul on the road to Damascus, Moses at the flaming bush, and at this morning's accounts too of Peter on the beach and of his call to be a fisher of people three years earlier. We we're in the crowd or we're somewhere distant watching what happens and seeing what goes on. We we might look for the event and see what there is to learn, but we don't get directly addressed. When the passages we read our epistles, things change a little. We're still kind of an onlooker. We know the letter was written to a particular person or a particular people at a certain time. Uh, But we know too it includes truth for us today. So we sort of straddle that being in the third person, don't we? Because sometimes we read it and we think it's as if it's written to us. But yet it was written to them. Uh, Our engagement with a psalm can be different again. If we simply read it thinking of the person who wrote it, the person who wrote the psalm, in this case David, we're still a little bit distant from it. But when we read it and see those words like I... I called, you healed me, and we take ownership of those words, it changes quite a bit, doesn't it? We don't have to be the onlooker, but it actually becomes a case where we become the prayer of the prayer. We become the singer of the song that's been written. We become the one that's been in the pit of despair. That's been down in the depths. That's been lifted from the grave. And we become the one that gives thanks to the rescuer. Our psalm from David has his personal thoughts and feelings. And there was a sense, some commentators think, that in this psalm, that it's as if he's been in some sort of illness, some serious illness. But he has engaged in prayer 
and he has been restored to health. For some of us, this might be our story. We might have been there. We might have been in that illness and we've called out. And we've seen that answer. Some of us might not quite relate to it in the same depth in that thing, but we, we've probably all at some point in our lives been in a bit of a pit. And so we, we do have that challenge of thinking as we sing of our personal ill health. Are we rejoicing in the way that David does? Are we singing of what God does for us? Of what God did for David? And there might be another way of thinking of it too. Is it a sense of what God does for all of us? Not necessarily that sense of ill health, but a sense of being in the grave in a different way. Is it a physical restoration or is it a restoration of our spiritual health, our spiritual life? That we were down there at one point but now we are alive. We might remember that before encountering Jesus, we are at death's door because of our sin. We are in the realm of the dead, destined for hell, in that grave, with no way out. But when we have cried out for our salvation... When we have put our trust in him, new life has come into us. New hope is there. And it's with something of this sort of second understanding of how God comes to the petitioner's aid in a wider sense of well-being than personal health. That uh, is probably what led to this being a song, a psalm of use for dedication at the temple as a, a regular ritual that is used. It's one of the change that God makes to all of his people's life and that sense of calling to others to join in that song of praise. It makes it from an individual song giving glory to God to a corporate song. We invite others to sing along with us. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his praise to his holy name. We invite everyone to be a singer. And then we all join in those words together. It's not coming from one person's mouth, but from many, even though it originated 
with one person's thoughts. This morning, uh, we sang How Great Thou Art. And within that, there's a load of imagery. And of course, it's a complex story of how come we end up with that hymn in English, seeing it got to us from Sweden via Russia. You know, so it's, it's very much Swedish imagery. Lofty mountain grandeur. The starry skies and the forest glades, the, the springs of water. We can relate to them in this country because we've got some similar geography. And when I see these things, then sings my soul. Not everybody loves the outdoors in the way that I do. But we are putting ourselves in the writer's place. And that happens nearly every time we sing a song. And out of our mouth, we are identifying with thoughts and feelings. Now, our mouths, therefore, declare the theology of the author. And hopefully it is sound theology. Hopefully it, it speaks of who we are and where we understand we are coming from. It speaks of what this, this Bible tells us and, and we sing what is true, what is words that we can agree with. But as we see those words before we sing, we have to engage the mind. When we sing to the Lord, it needs to be of our heart, and it has to be more of a vo- uh, more than a vocal exercise, more than a, a getting our breathing right, more than attempting to make the right sound or a close approximation of the tune that we can muster. We we need to engage our brain. as we bring glory to God. And that's true of everything that we do. Every element of our life, we have to examine ourselves and and say, is this right? Is the song that we sing right? Is the prayer that we bring, the prayer that God wants us to lift up, but also are the decisions of the day-to-day basis, the way we relate to one another, the mission that we engage in as a church. Are those things what God wants us to do? Throughout the week, we, we, we heard a number of times when it maybe wasn't. But there are times when we need to identify the element that is not of God and we need to change. And the change is not simply a stop, it's also a restart. I think I gave Sir, uh, personally, in, in the script that I did with Sir Archie this morning, I gave him the best line. When I wrote it yesterday, I went, oh, I want to say that myself, but actually I'm giving it to him. 
when I was doing the recap of the week, I was saying when the computer isn't working, when it's not doing what we want it to do, we switch it off and we switch it on again. And we get it to work. We don't simply switch the silly thing off. That wouldn't do as much good at all, would it? Just saying, all oh, right, I've done it wrong, but I'll stop doing that. We have to restart. We start it up again so that the work continues in the proper way that we seek to do God's way from now on. That we put that evaluation in. With the call of Peter, the fishermen are told to throw the net out on the right side of the boat. Not simply to pull the net in. Oh, you've not caught any fish all night. Oh, just pull the net in then. They throw it out again. And it's full. You've been fishing for fish, now you're going to fish for people. You've been doing one thing and that's been okay. But it's not what I want you to do. Now you've got to do this. We change our way to do God's work. And God works in changing us. And he does that stop-start thing. We see it in Psalm here that David has written. Being rescued by God is not a neutral state. He feels secure, not shaken. I shall never be shaken. You know, it's two things that are a complete contrast. He's not in the middle. takes the wailing and he turns it to dancing he doesn't just stop the wailing he takes it to the other extreme he brings what he wants he removes the sackcloth and he clothes us with joy he takes away that sense of woe but doesn't just take it away he starts something new within us he moves us on he gets us to be his people There is no half measure 
in God's outcomes. He doesn't just remove you, he moves you on. There's no meh. There's no, well, that's okay. You know, it, it goes beyond that. And with this in mind, this, this sense, this hope, this joy, David brings the psalm as praise of his heart and has the collar to widen, wider praise too. David doesn't want the praise to stop, but to continue. He doesn't want to be the only singer, but calls for all the faithful, all the saints, to come and bring praise to his holy name. May we be faithful people. May we choose to stop anything that is not of God and instead start to live his way and encouraging others like what David's doing here in this psalm encouraging others to also have hearts full of praise Our hearts might sing to God and not be silent. For what is gained in that silence? Like us to pause for a moment and just think. Maybe what pit, what depth have you been lifted from or what do you need to be lifted from? What has been stopped and started different what needs to stop and start different what do you want to praise God for in you of life let's just reflect on that for a moment <laughs>